five, four, three, two. This is the Come On Network podcast. Come On Network, it's on the come up for sure. The best Pittsburgh-based podcast available. Is that so? If you're committed enough, you can make any story work. I, I once convinced a woman that I was Kevin Costner, and it worked because I believed it. Bringing you the latest in Pittsburgh and national sports and entertainment with guests and a plethora of co-hosts. Can we get a come on? Come on. 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 This is where the fun begins. FNA Cotton FNA. After the bye week, the Pittsburgh Steelers get ready to head to Cleveland, a couple hours north on the bus, and ready for an AFC North clash with the Cleveland Browns or the Pittsburgh Steelers. As we get you ready for this episode 85 of the Come On Network podcast and the Browns preview here for week eight of the NFL football season. Today's episode is presented by Pelocus and its Primal Instinct pre-workout. Be sure to use the code COMEON at checkout, that's C-O-M-O-N, for 15% off at polocus.com, that's P-O-L-O-K-U-S.com. You can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast as well. We can be found wherever you get podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, and more. And you can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Come Network, C-O-M-O-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K. On the web as well for our blog, and our merchandise at comeon.network. Kyle Dawson, Donnie Chedrick, Jack Kilgrove, Joe Smeltzer, all with you. Uh, before we get to any keys to the game, X Factors and our picks, as well as our sit down with a friend of the show, Browns fan and former Waynesburg University student uh, and now alum, John Silviti, uh, we'll talk a little bit about, I don't want to call it a distraction that's going on with the Steelers right now, but you know, maybe you can call a spade a spade. We'll talk a little bit about the Melvin Ingram situation with the Steelers as well as I'm sure that at some point in this little discussion here, uh, the comments from Mike Tom when regarding the college coaching jobs will come up. But uh, certainly the Steelers had their fair share of news during the bye week uh, as they sit at three and three in preparation for the Browns. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to rag too much on Melvin Ingram. I thought that it was one of the better free agent signings that any team had made. Uh, this offseason, especially for the value that they were able to get Melvin Ingram, the Steelers at four million a year. Um, and that's kind of why I'm uh, indifferent about this situation. I- I'm all for a guy and Melvin Ingram, especially a former pro bowler and him knowing his, you know, feeling out what his worth is. He obviously feels like he should be playing more. Um, with TJ Watt well on his way to being in the conversation at the end of the year for defensive player of the year again, and Alex Highsmith kind of emerging uh, as the as a very nice complimentary piece on the other side of that pass rush, there really hasn't been um, much room on this defense for Melvin Ingram. Um, I think that the defense has some problems, and I think those problems lie maybe up front with some injuries and in the secondary, but the problems on this defense don't really pertain to Melvin Ingram, nor do I think that playing Melvin Ingram more would fix some of these problems on this defense. So for that, with that being said, I I don't see a reason for him to play more. 
Um, and I, I'm having trouble. I mentioned that I understand him knowing his worth and his self-worth to a football team, but he was signed during like the second phase at whatever you want to call it, a free agency. He wasn't one of the top guys to go and he only went for $4 million. So that tells me, and I think that you, I, I, you guys can disagree if you want, but I, my perception of it was that not a whole lot of teams were really uh, interested in Melvin Ingram's services. They kind of thought that the guy maybe was done, 32 years old, whatever. The Steelers brought him in on a lower deal, um, and he's complaining about playing time and complaining about his fit when maybe he might not have even seen action for another team anyway this offseason. So that's my take on it. Um, I'm not sure how valuable he is, and I'm not sure if trading him is worth um, the whatever mid-round draft pick you're going to get back for this year. Maybe if they can get like a third or a fourth round pick, I'd consider it. But if not, I I don't see the need because I the Melvin Ingram not playing, yeah, but he adds a lot of depth to the pass rush. And if you give that up, then you're going to have to rely on – uh, some other guys that might not be very good. God forbid Alex Highsmith or uh, TJ Watt goes down. So like I said, long story short, I'm not sure what El- Melvin Ingram's beef is. I wouldn't trade him for a lower pick if they could avoid that. But, you know, if he starts to become more of a distraction in the coming weeks before the deadline, yeah, you, you're going to have to unload him. But with all that being said, at least Melvin Ingram and Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt are all having better seasons than our friend Bud Dupree down in Tennessee. So they're all better options than what the Steelers could have paid a monstrous contract for, for that guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking pretty much any, uh, trade discussion, uh, trade rumor guys supposedly wanting out, taking it with a grain of salt, because if you, we remember back in early August, it looked like James Washington might be headed out the door and whether Mike Tomlin or Mike Matt Canada knows it or not, uh, Washington is still on the team. Uh, Sunday night's game against uh, the Seahawks now almost two weeks ago, he was, you, you would have thought he wasn't on the team considering how little he was used. But um, digressing from that, uh, I don't really know what Melvin Ingram expected to happen when he signed here. I think the general perception amongst Steelers fans going back to this summer when the team signed Ingram was that this is going to be a guy who is mainly a depth piece, piece that has a combo show on the NFL, a guy that could give T.J. Watt and or Alex Highsmith a breather as needed, and maybe a veteran presence that could push young Highsmith coming into his second year. If Melvin Ingram expected to be an every week, every down starter, then I think he picked the wrong place to sign. Like Jack said, I had no issue with the Melvin Ingram signing when it happened. And I was feeling pretty good. I think we all were um, about the signing the first few weeks in the season when Ingram was playing well, especially that Buffalo game week one. But lately, I don't think uh, Melvin Ingram has been uh, very good and him complaining about his role wouldn't make things any better. But like I said, A, I don't know what Melvin Ingram was expecting his role to be when he came to the Steelers. And B, any trade rumor should be taken with a grain of salt until we see a good reason for it to have legs because now it's pretty much just hearsay. Kind of sucks if it is true, uh, but like these guys already said, I'm not sure what Melvin Ingram expected. It seems to me that he didn't view Alex Highsmith as true competition, but the second-year pro seems to be fitting in just fine on the other side of the defense uh, opposite T.J. Watt. 
And it certainly helps having a player of that caliber on the other side. And I know Jack already took his shot, but just ask Bud Dupree, who picked up his first sack of the season this year last week as we near November on our calendar. It was a small deal for Melvin Ingram. It was a, an affordable deal. I still think it was a smart deal, even if uh, Ingram, uh, even if his time is coming to an end in Pittsburgh before we would have hoped. Uh, it gives the Steelers that luxury of having depth at a key position, and it keeps them away from using guys like Cassius Marsh or people uh, in that same category in key situations like they had to do in that playoff game last season. I just hope we see more 48 if Melvin Ingram goes, because that that guy, whew. Are you ever going to say his name on the show? I don't. I don't even remember his name. I, mean, I that, couldn't. That's even, where if, I'm at. Like if you if you told me that my life depended on being able to say his name, I would. I wouldn't be able to. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't even know who he is. That's how bad he is, and I don't want to see Cassius Marsh. Um, that said, Melvin Ingram got one opportunity when Alex Highsmith didn't play, or or when T.J. Watt was out. Got one opportunity to be an every down guy. Uh, air quotes around that, however you want to term that. He got one opportunity to do that against Cincinnati, and he did absolutely nothing in the game. He's got one sack this year, 10 total tackles. Five of them are solo, five of them combined. Alex Highsmith just came off his best game against Seattle. He's starting to get home, looking a lot better after missing some time earlier this year. And I think Mike Tomlin said it after practice today, and this is where my thoughts are on it. And you guys have already echoed what Mike Tomlin said indirectly without quoting him about this situation when asked about it. Uh, Melvin Ingram was brought in as maybe the number three, if you will, uh, in the outside linebacking edge rushing core. I think it was Joe that said uh, to give TJ Watt and to give Alex Highsmith a breather when they needed it. Uh, that is what his role was coming in. And if he's not okay with that role, then whatever, get a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh round pick for him. If Arizona, or if Kansas City is that desperate to add some edge rushing, I'll take a pick out of him because one sack isn't going to cut it for me. Uh, and one sack coming in week one might be the same amount as Bud Dupree coming now, but it's not like Melvin Ingram has been this star-studded effort every single time we've seen him go out there. So uh, basically my thoughts on the situation are Melvin Ingram hasn't been good enough to deserve more playing time. And if he did get more playing time, I already saw what happened with more playing time against Cincinnati. Uh, and I'll take Al Highsmith uh, and TJ Watt over Melvin Ingram right now, any day of the week. Um, do want to break into a little bit of a discussion here. But again, before we we're not going to have a big general thought segment on this Browns preview. Um, but obviously the big the big discussion this week. Uh, with the Steelers before the Melvin Ingram news was the Mike Tomlin thoughts on the college coaching rumors. And um, there is probably an entire episode that could be dedicated to this and all the stupid stuff that's come out as a result. Uh, don't think Stephen A. Smith's comments were all on par uh, with the, the pulse of the situation. I also don't think the people that are on the extreme other side are very right either. Um, I don't think any of us ever took these rumors to USC or LSU uh, for real. I don't think any of us ever thought that that was a possibility for Mike Tomlin. Apparently, the guys at Steelers Depot thought that everybody in Pittsburgh, like every single human being, thought that 
Mike Tomlin was going to the college ranks, but uh, he came out pretty emphatically the other day in his Tuesday press conference and good for Tim Benz asking the question. I thought he asked it well. Um, he knew it was coming. He was ready to answer it. I think he wanted to answer it, and he's put those college coaching rumors to bed. Uh, no matter your thoughts on Mike Tom, when I thought it was a, a good answer, uh, and maybe we can get into a, a small discussion on that. Yeah, I figured that the question was coming, uh, whether it would have been from Tim Benz or whoever. Like it, the, the asking of it was inevitable, and I expected it to be shot down. Uh, and maybe with a couple of Tomlinisms, as we like to call it, I did not expect him to go the route that he did. I don't think that, and I think a lot of the perception in the Pittsburgh media, especially a lot of what I've seen on social media from some of these fanboys, as I like to call it, is that uh, Mike Tomlin took Tim Benz to school or that he uh, you know, lit him up or whatever. I didn't think that was the case. I didn't think he was attacking Tim Benz. I think a lot of what he was it could have happened to anybody. I think Art Rooney II could have asked that question in the press conference, his boss, and he would have answered it the same way because he was probably really, really frustrated that his name's getting thrown around with these jobs. I mean, the guy, he said it all in, in, in his spiel. He's got one of the best jobs, if not the best job in professional sports, being the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's only been three of them since our parents were, before our parents were born. Some of our parents that maybe, I don't know how old your guys' parents are. My dad was born in like 66 and Chuck Knoll was still the coach or just about to be the coach, blah, blah, blah. You get my point. Tomlin has not been a coach in the college ranks since 19 or 2000. He was a defensive backs coach at Cincinnati. And then he made his bolt to Tampa and, you know, made his name there as the defensive backs coach for the Buccaneers. What kind of, even if he had the smallest interest to go be the head coach at LSU or USC, what kind of connections does he have? We've seen that recently with Herm Edwards, a guy who was indifferent than Mike Tomlin was out of coaching completely for a couple of years, made his name as a head coach in the NFL, and then just says, screw it and goes to Arizona state. And has that guy done anything relevant in Arizona state since he's been there? No, I, and with the state of the two programs that were rumored, uh, for Tomlin to go to, quote-unquote, rumored, and I take that term with a grain of salt, um, I might get, you might get the same result, hypothetically, than what you get with Herm Edwards at Arizona State. You know, it's just a long rant, and I think Mike Tomlin would be mad at us for ranting about this for as long as we are because it's not going to happen. But I give the guy – I give Tim Benz all the credit for – having the stones to ask the question. And I give Mike Tomlin a bunch of credit as well for the way he handled it, because I don't think there should be a Steelers fan or a person that covers the Steelers or anybody with an inkling of football knowledge that thinks that there's still a chance that that can happen in the off season because it's, it, it's not. And Tomlin did a good job of shooting it down. Well, first off, I don't think Mike Tomlin would really have any strong emotions uh, to anything. Uh, the four of us would have to say, but uh I think we all thought that, Jack, as you uh, said at your end, uh, that Tomlin's answer to that question would have completely buried any uh, discussion of uh, him potentially, hypothetically, going to the college ranks. But judging by uh, Ike Taylor on uh, Thursday's uh, Pat McAfee show saying, uh, and I'm reading the quote from McAfee's tweet, you can just go down the line of Hall of Famers that have played for Mike Tomlin if somebody offers Coach T 15 million, he'll chuck up the deuces to Pittsburgh. 
Um, I'm also watching the video um, on Mike Taylor's Zoom. I think I might see the Marius Thomas uh, running behind him, uh, streaking across. But uh, anyway, uh, this is being recorded uh, Thursday night, actually Friday morning. So it's been almost uh, three days since that Tuesday press conference. It's hard for me to give a take uh, that hasn't been given already in that time span. I thought um, as uh, as Jack, Jack said, I'm sure as Donnie and Kyle are going to say that um, Tim Benz, uh, good on him for asking that question. I'm actually surprised that it took so long for that question to be asked as that was towards the end of Tomlin's press conference and actually ended up marking the end of Tomlin's press conference as he, as Tomlin uh, walked off uh, right after. I'm surprised it took that long and it's kind of concerning that if Benz does, doesn't ask that question, nobody asks it and that uh, discussion lingers on for at least another week or so. Um, uh, but yeah, my, I think uh, everybody's pretty much same team on this. Uh, Ben's did a good job as a journalist to ask that. Uh, Tomlin was, I think, pretty clearly waiting for the opportunity to give his thoughts. Because obviously, even though he doesn't live on Twitter the way some of us do, he had to have known that the rumors were out there. And he had to have been bothered by them. And he wanted a chance um, to say that, uh, to have a platform to say that. And Ben's gave him that platform. So, uh Good on both of them, um, and hopefully uh, this can be uh, moved on and we don't have any visions of uh, Mike Tomlin uh, coaching at uh, the Coliseum uh, next year or ever. So, Just like Mike Tomlin said, it's a joke. He ain't going anywhere. He ain't going to get fired. He has a virtual lifetime contract. But I also love hearing that answer and the tone that Tomlin used because it wasn't your typical Mike Tomlin coach speech uh, that we always hear. Mike Tomlin clearly loves Pittsburgh. He loves being the Steelers head coach. Mike Tomlin wants to be in Pittsburgh. And just going from what even people that aren't Steeler fans, I saw a lot of people, uh, whether it be in the replies to tweets or just you know their own general uh, thoughts on Twitter and social media and elsewhere, a lot of fans of other teams, uh, including John Silviti, who joins us a little bit later on on this episode, who loved what Mike Tomlin said. And they would even admit, I'm not a Steeler fan. I hate the Steelers. I don't like the Steelers. But they all respect the hell out of Mike Tomlin. Uh, and I think that he needed to address it that way because if he pattered around the question, then it would have been continued to get asked all year long. So the way he handled it uh, was 110% the way it had to be done. Yeah, if he pattered around the question and didn't answer it well, like somebody a couple hours east in State College, Pennsylvania, I think there would be a little bit more of an uproar around the Steelers fan base, but that is another story. Just for get just time. get ready for Illinois this week. <laughs> just get ready for Illinois this In week. In the well, big maybe, house. You think Tomlin thinks that they're still playing the Seahawks this week? I'm wondering maybe. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 you guys have already pretty much summed it up. Um, Mike Tomlin, the, the, these rumors were never serious. Uh, Doug Whaley came back on the fan. I don't think he basically doubled down the other day after the press conference, but he basically just said, listen, the only reason I brought it up was because when you go through these coaching searches and Doug Whaley's a guy that's certainly connected with, with Mike Tom when he's worked in the same building as him. Um, when you go through these coaching searches, you bring up names. You're like, Oh, 
okay, well, that's a guy that we should maybe at least gauge if they're at least a little bit interested. And if not, we move on. If so, then we explore that opportunity. Uh, Mike Tomlin uh, maybe isn't as good of a coach as Ed Orgeron, though, since Ed Orgeron just says go tag us. And if it was Mike Tomlin didn't go down there and do it, they would hate him in LSU. Uh, but I will say, I think if Mike Tomlin did go to the college ranks and we had this little discussion, uh, of course, which Joe took to a, a ridiculous extreme. But I think if Mike Tomlin did go down to the college ranks, he'd probably have a a shit ton of success. And this is a a high level coach in the NFL, uh, probably still one of the top five to 10 best coaches in the NFL. Uh, Even no matter your opinion, the guy still hasn't had a losing season as a head coach in what it was going on close to 14 years at this point uh, for Mike Tomlin. So the bottom line is he hasn't had a losing season. He has one of the best jobs in the NFL, if not the best job in the NFL or all of sports. You guys have already mentioned the pretty much lifetime contract that the guy has. Uh, So I don't think these rumors ever really held anything for me. Uh, And it was good to see uh, him nip them in the butt during that press conference and and really emphatically. And uh, glad he brought up the two other guys that basically have the same resume as him, except that Mike Tomlin's resume is better than both of those guys. Uh, because both of those guys have had losing season and missed the playoffs, just like Mike Tomlin has, um, but no losing season for Mike Tomlin. Anyway, so let's jump in to start to break down this game a little bit. It's a big one for the Steelers and for the Browns, uh, the way that the AFC North is starting to shake out. Cincinnati looks legit after a win against the Baltimore Ravens during the Steelers bye week. Uh, We know what Baltimore still is. Both of those teams have two losses. Cleveland coming off the win against Minnesota on Thursday night football with the backup quarterback in Case Keenum in there. Uh, Don't know if it'll be Baker Mayfield or Case Keenum for Cleveland this week in Cleveland, but a big opportunity for Pittsburgh to go in there. And if they can get a win, you're probably looking at a confident bunch, maybe at six and three in a couple weeks after this with Detroit and Chicago on the horizon. Uh, But this is a, a really important game. So let's break down. Uh, this one, we'll do it with John Silvedi in a little bit. We'll make our picks after that, but uh, we'll start with our keys to the game and our X factors. Well, on a brief thought on this one, I mean, this kind of seems like the tale of two completely different injury reports. Uh, for the first time, pretty much all season, the Steelers, I think Mike Tomlin said uh, today as we record this early Friday morning, so he would have said a Thursday that he expects all 53 active to be available on Sunday, which is great news for the Steelers. Uh, And they've had an encouraging uh, injury report all week. Um, Anybody with anything lingering, um, Claypool limited, Melvin Ingram, who might not even be on the team (laughs) in the future limited, and Ebron uh, limited after not practicing yesterday. Everybody else on it, McFarland, Banner, all full. And then you look at, uh, and Ben was full participation today as well. You look at the Browns, completely different story. Um, a bunch of guys that are going to be limited. Odell limited the last couple of days. Nick Chubb limited the last couple of days. We're not sure that Baker's going to play. I think he'll end up playing, but he's been banged up. Uh, JC Treader was limited Wednesday, did not practice Thursday. Denzel Ward's been out. Look, this is a game I think the Steelers should win. But we saw last week that um, they made the Steelers made Alex Collins look like a premier running back. He ran all over this Steelers team uh, as a member of the Seattle Seahawks. And you go to a a week this week in a game where uh, or against a team in the Browns that 
the um the Steelers or rather the Browns are a primarily a running team and they had a guy like the Ernest Johnson do what he did last week another somewhat no name running back we're going to talk about his story with VD later on which is a really cool story if I might add but look they need to stop the run um, the defensive line's been banged up. We know that you're not going to have to it. You're not going to have all Alu obviously. So Cam Hayward's going to have to carry a big load, but they, they still need to be able to stop the run. And if they can stop the run, no matter if it's a healthy case Keenum or a 75% Baker Mayfield, whatever, a banged up Baker, I think they'll be able to key on them. Well, if they have to force either one of those quarterbacks, whoever it's going to be, to beat them with their arm. And if they do good for them, if not, you can't let a guy like Dearness Johnson, whoever's going to be running the ball for the Browns on Sunday to give them more chances to win, because that's what Alex Collins did for Seattle. And it kept them in the game. And I hope, and I, you know, the Steelers have had a couple of weeks to think on it with the buy and plan for it. But I'd like to think that coach Tomlin and his staff were competent enough to realize what happened against Seattle and make those adjustments. So for me, it stopped the run. And my X factor, I'm going to go with Cam Hayward. I think he's got to have a big game and anchor that defensive line. And that kind of fits into my theme with stopping the run. I think he's got to carry this defensive line and carry this this run prevention, if you will, for the Steelers on Sunday. Because if they can do that, I think they're going to be in a pretty decent shot to win the ball game. Yeah, the big uh, question uh, going into uh, this game is will Maker Bayfield play or won't Maker Bayfield play? I don't want to say it's completely irrelevant who plays quarterback for the Browns because obviously the quarterback always matters in every single football game ever. But if the Steelers can't stop the run, I don't think they're going to win the game. And it's just that simple to me. And that's the obvious key to this game for me. If Nick Chubb or Dearness Johnson or Pee Wee Herman or whoever is running the ball uh, for uh, the Browns does what Alex Collins did to the Steelers two weeks ago, I don't like the prospects, but if the Steelers can neutralize that ground game, that might spell disaster for the Browns at sacrifice if they're not passing the football well. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the bigger question, uh, regardless of Maker Bayfield, is can the Browns run the ball or can't they? That's what this game's going to come down to, and that kind of leads into my X-Factor. Jack, you said Cam Hayward. I say every Steelers interior lineman but Cam Hayward. And I say that because as Hayward's obviously important, but we know what Cam Hayward is. We know he's great, and we know he's going to do his thing Sunday, but he can't do it alone. Uh, he had a great game against the Seahawks, and the Steelers still had a lot of problems uh, containing the run and Alex Collins. So... For the Steelers to win the battle up front, it's more than just Cam Hayward being Cam Hayward. There can't be a repeat of that second half against Seattle. Chris Wormley, I think, has held his own. Can he be even better than he's been? Isaiah Bugs and Henry Mondu, can they make an impact? These are big questions. That front has been hurting without Stephen Tewitt and without Tyson Alawalu. But I think it's time for some of the less heralded members of the Steelers' interior defense to make some big plays because they can change the game that way. Well, before I jump into my keys and X factor, I'm going to talk about our favorite key of the come on network podcast. Those are our buddies with primal instinct pre-workout by Pelocus. Uh, I never got into the whole pre-workout craze and I sort of just worked out without it forever. 
That was until Primal Instinct came into play. Even after the start, I didn't jump on it right away. Uh, but after a few months, I decided to give it a try, and I became a big fan. Uh, great taste, great pump, great workout. Uh, the energy to pump through a workout or push through one on a tough day without that crash afterwards. I would definitely recommend it to anyone looking to get into or try a new pre-workout method. Check out Primal Instinct pre-workout from Pelocus. And remember, save 15% by using code COMON, that's C-O-M-O-N, at Pelocus.com, P-O-L-O-K-U-S.com. My keys for this one, uh, the Steelers got to bring their lunch pails on Sunday. I think we see some old school AFC North football. Uh, at least I'm hoping that's what we see. We know the Browns are going to run the rock. I think the Steelers should try to join them with Najee Harris and an offensive line that seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable together. The Steelers are healthier. The Steelers are more rested. They're coming off a bye. They got to be ready to handle a hostile crowd, a la Rocky in Moscow back on Christmas Day in 1985, because it will be a crazier dog pound than these guys, even Ben Roethlisberger, have ever seen. Yeah, now real quick, do you think uh, Brown Stadium is just going to start uh, cheering for the Steelers for no apparent reason in the middle of the game, like what happened in Rocky IV? They might they might catch on to the Rocky spirit. Uh, jumping to my X factor, though, I'm going to go with Devin Bush. Um, he has some big critics to answer, and he can do wonders for them this week with a good game. We know Cleveland is going to run. That's no secret whether or not Baker Mayfield starts or it's Case Keenum. Uh, we, we take our shots at Bob Spillane a lot. You know, we call him Jack Lambert Jr. and all of that. But the fact is, he has been better against the run this year than Devin Bush has. Robert Spillane, I don't even know if, if the guy was drafted. I remember exactly where I was whenever Devin Bush was drafted. And I remember how excited all of us were whenever Devin Bush was drafted. Uh, the Steelers trading up to get Bush 10th overall just a few years back. Uh, he's got to start really playing like he did as a rookie. He showed so much promise that rookie year making impact plays in a lot of games that first season in the, in the National Football League. We need to see that Devin Bush come out to play again Sunday. Yeah, key keys are simple for this one. It's it's stop the run and it's continue to to improve on the offensive side of the football for the Steelers. It's a tough defense to play against in terms of what Cleveland can do with a pass rush. Uh, that doesn't mean that the Steelers can't have some success on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think they're going to have any success uh, emulating what Justin Herbert and the Chargers were able to do or some of the teams that have been able to put up some strong point numbers against Cleveland, but I think there's some success to be had there. And the offense has to obviously uh, be able to outscore Cleveland, but as obvious as that is, I think that's a tougher task than maybe some will make it out to be no matter who plays at quarterback for Cleveland. Uh, the defense is going to have to be good again for Pittsburgh. Uh, like they were in the Buffalo outing uh, in some of the other games where they've been a little bit better than they were against Seattle, at least in the second half. Uh, maybe the Denver, the Denver game is a good one to go back to. Uh, guys are going to have to get home again, whether it's Keenum or Mayfield, uh, get some pressure on the quarterback, continue to stop the run. If you can make them one dimensional, maybe your chances to stop the run increase a little bit. Um, 
But the keys to the game, I think, are obvious for this team. And the Steelers uh, have a big opportunity here. Like I said earlier, four and three record coming out of this looks a lot better than three and four. And six and three potentially looks a lot better than five and four uh, if you're to win the next two games in terms of your playoff chances with we know uh, what is coming up on the schedule for the Steelers after the Detroit and Chicago games. So um, it's very important for the Steelers to go get a win. I think they they have a pretty good chance to uh, no matter who plays the quarterback position for Cleveland, because I think that that team is still going to be way banged up, whether or not Baker Mayfield or Nick Chubb or Kareem or Kareem Hunt, we know is not going to go, but when any of those guys go, they're still going to be a banged up football team in Cleveland, though it'll be a tough atmosphere to play in. Um, Donnie stole my X factor with Devin Bush. So I'll just jump over to Jack Lambert jr. Um, and Robert Spillane, if if he's going to play more snaps than Devin Bush, and I don't know that he will, uh, but if he's going to play more snaps than Devin Bush against the run, and he has been better than Devin Bush against the run, uh, then he's going to have to put on some big hits and he's going to have to play a good game out of that middle linebacker position to help give the Steelers a chance to stop that run. Because frankly, I haven't seen enough from the, the guys that Joe talked about to tell me that that that's going to go really well on that side. Uh, if, if Henry Mondu has a great game, which, by the way, back to the Ingram discussion earlier, Hank Mondu has as many sacks as Melvin Ingram. Um, so th- I'd like to see a little bit more from that interior unit, uh, but I don't know how much more we can get from them. So that means that the middle linebackers are going to have to be good as well, uh, be that Devin Bush or Robert Spillane. Uh, when we return from the little pause here, we will sit down with John Silviti former uh, student and football player at Waynesburg University, friend of ours, friend of the show he's been on before. You'll hear from him after the break on the Come On Network podcast as episode 85 and our Browns preview continues. on the left field. Jones coming on. Wilson is back. What a play by Jack Wilson. And his throw to first. They just doubled up Jimmy Rollins. Oh man. What an amazing play by Jack Wilson. Hey, this is Jack Wilson and you're listening to the Come On Network Podcast. Welcome back to Come On Network, episode 85. It is our Steelers-Browns preview. The Steelers in Cleveland this Sunday. It is a Halloween matchup against their AFC North rival. And right now, we're going to sit down with lifelong Browns fan and Waynesburg alum, John Silviti. Uh, Johnny, thanks for joining us again. We're recording this on a Tuesday, but there are some reports that Baker Mayfield will be good to practice tomorrow and then be good to go for Sunday. I know you want that. I'm sure a lot of Browns fans want that. But after the Thursday night win over Denver, how confident would you be if it is Case Keenum against the Steelers instead of Baker? I mean, I'm confident because I have to be as a fan. But, you know, I I think the fans, including myself, they really want Baker to play. I mean, Keenum, he's a career backup for a reason. And and we're going to root for him. Absolutely. I mean, I like the guy. I hope he does well. I think Baker gives this team a better chance of winning, though. And I think you look at Keenum, you know, he's just 33 years old, career backup, really doesn't have the arm to get it done, but he's serviceable. And if the run game is what it was like on Thursday night, I mean, they have they have a chance, but their chances would be better if Baker was healthy. 
So pretty much uh, everybody that's a regular on this podcast um, often gets tired of multiple aspects of Steelers Twitter as we follow um, a lot of different accounts and see a lot of different takes on a lot of different things. One thing I've noticed from the Pittsburgh camp um, over the past few days, and this might just be me, uh, is Steelers fans, whether it's a product of arrogance or ignorance, seem to think that it's still 2017 and that the Steelers are still really good and the Browns is the Browns, to paraphrase uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, is that something you've noticed uh, from the Cleveland side? Uh, and if so, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I've noticed that. I, you know, I good people from Pittsburgh. I mean, I do, I do love this rivalry. I got a lot of family there, a lot of friends. So I do see a lot of the same Browns as the Browns. They're still the same Browns team from 2017, but I still I see the same from the Browns side that just because we won a playoff game last year against the Steelers, that now that we're gonna beat the Steelers every single time. And that's that's just not true. I, I still think the Steelers are an incredible organization. They got a Incredible front office. You know they have a playoff caliber defense. It's it's going to be a really good game Sunday. I'm excited for it. I think fans really need to understand that this could really go either way. But it's definitely not the same 2017 Browns team. And this isn't the same team that we played last year either. This defense, they had some injuries last year. They're all healthy now on the Steelers front. It's going to be a good defense that they play on Sunday, that's for sure. VD, if you can, walk it back to uh, the Browns matchup against the Broncos. Close game, obviously. Uh, your thoughts? I know you talked about how uh, you thought Case Keenum looked. Um, th- thoughts on the team's performance as a Browns fan last week? And I would assume uh, with the rest of Browns faithful, faithful, the Dearness Johnson story is pretty cool. Yeah, you got to love the story with Dearness. I mean, the fact that he was on a fishing boat out in Florida, you know, his, his DMs that he was sending for the AAF and you know, makes his way to the Browns. And I mean, what an incredible story. You know, you have two backs in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb that are so good and so talented that Dearness Johnson can just kind of step in. And that shows the type of system that the Browns want to run. You know, that they're a run first football team. And I think putting Keenum in and putting Johnson in is just a product of the system and how good Stefanski is. As far as their performance on Thursday night, I mean, it was it was adequate and I was really excited. Again, I, th- I think that that was supposed to happen in the run game. It's they're, Again, they're a run-first football team. For Keenum, again, he's serviceable. You know, he was uh, 0 for 4 on passes thrown 20-plus yards, and he was 4 for 11 on passes that were 10-plus yards. So he, just, he doesn't have the best arm in general, but if they can run the ball like they did on Thursday night, and, and most importantly, that defense. You know, the defense, the Browns have three losses this year, and all three of those losses, the defense gave up 30-plus points. Defense got to be lights out come Sunday. And I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons why they probably won on Thursday night with Case Keenum because the defense only allowed, I want to say, 14 points. John, you're going to the game on Sunday. What kind of atmosphere are you expecting in comparison to uh, Steelers-Browns matchups of the past? And are you going to dress up at all for Halloween? Uh, no, I won't dress up for Halloween. Typically, my costume is always the go-to lumberjack, but I think I'm going to probably wear my Baker Mayfield jersey if he's playing. If he's not playing, the 95 jersey will be out. I think the atmosphere is going to be a little aggressive, to be honest with you guys. I think in the past, you guys know, as much as the Browns fans wanted it to be a rivalry for the past 20 years, it really hasn't until recently. Um, you know, the Steelers just always handed us the L, man, you know, so I think it's going to be a little bit more aggressive as much. Again, I, I like 
Pittsburgh. I got a lot of friends and family there. As much as I'd like to be friendly and I'm going to be friendly, there's, there's going to be a lot of Browns fans. They're going to be pretty aggressive. So, but I mean, that's just the nature of the sport, man. And it's for the fans for sure. So this 2021 season uh, hasn't been the best of times uh, for Baker Mayfield. Um, has your opinion of Baker Mayfield changed at all uh, from August uh, to now, which is late October? And what do you, how do you think the general opinion um, of Baker uh, has shifted um, at all uh, since the season started? Because he is a very polarizing figure and has been, um, I guess, since he uh, grabbed his crotch um, in that Kansas-Oklahoma game in 2017. So one of my favorite college games, Joe. Um you know, I, it's interesting. I, I do think the narrative of Baker Mayfield changed slightly. You know, I think the opinions of, of most Browns fans actually changed a little bit. For me, it, it really hasn't. I think, the, I think the kid is exactly who he is. I don't think he's worth $45 million a year, but I think he's worth 25 to $30 million a year. I think he's going to get paid Tannehill money, and he should. I mean, he's an above-average quarterback in that class with Tannehill, with Cousins, with Derek Carr. I mean, that's the type of quarterback he is, Matt Ryan. And to be honest with you, the offense doesn't run through him anyway. He's not an elite quarterback running an air raid offense. They're a run first offense team. You got to sign. I don't, I don't think Baker's going to get 45. I think he knows that it's, he's not going to get the Josh Allen money, but if he gets paid that $30 million, which I've always thought that, and I think Browns fans are kind of starting to really come to, you know, realization that that's what he's worth. Then you can still sign all the guys around him. I mean, you got to have a great offensive line to protect him. You, you need to sign your two backs, which you already locked both of them up. And, you know, you're going to take some money away from the receiver position, which you should when you sign Baker. Probably, hopefully, you get a chance to sign the right guard teller and you put a little bit of money um, into the tight end room. And that's that's really how it should be. I, I think that you got to really be careful here because you don't want this kid to turn into a Drew Brees if you let him go. You don't want him to turn into a Ryan Tannehill if you let him go. Um, I think the Browns know what they were before Baker Mayfield. And I think the I think the football guys would be slam dunking on their heads for the rest of eternity if they decide to give up on Baker. But I think the injury has a lot to do with his up and down season so far, because, I mean, you watch him come out against Kansas City week one. I mean, for three quarters, besides the interception at the end there, if Chubb doesn't fumble. If, if we don't mess up the punt with Jamie Gillen, I mean, they beat Kansas City and Baker looks like a hero. I mean, those three quarters, I think you finally saw a glimpse of what he looks like year two in this system. And it's unfortunate that he's hurt. So I hope he plays. If not, maybe you got to shut him down for the season. We'll see. You mentioned the wide receiver room um, from your perspective and, and Brown's fans perspective has the Odell Beckham. I don't want to call it an experiment because it's not like he was a working progress. I mean, he's proven time and time again, uh, that he can be a top receiver in this league. But has the Odell Beckham era in Cleveland worn its welcome? Yeah, it's it's ended. And if you want to call it an experiment, you, you could. I don't think it's ever worked. You know, I, I think Andrew Barry is the G, the current GM, and he's he was actually a part of the organization before he became the GM. You know, one of the things that they did in 2018 under John Dorsey was trade for Jarvis Landry. And then in 2019, Andrew Barry wanted Kevin Stefanski. John Dorsey chose Freddie Kitchens, and then John Dorsey traded for OBJ. Andrew Barry didn't like that. I mean, Andrew Barry, there's multiple articles, and people talked about it within the organization. When those two things happened, Kitchens and OBJ in 2019, he left and worked under Howie Roseman over there in, in Philadelphia. And then a year later, he comes back because they're going to hire Stefanski. They fired Freddie, and it's a brand-new offense. This isn't 
Freddie Kitchens air raid offense they're running in 2019. I think Odell personally, I think he's a good dude. I think he needs a fresh start on another team. I don't, he looks uncomfortable in this offense. And quite frankly, him and Baker have never had any connection or chemistry. And that's his deep threat on the field. I mean, it's like playing with one arm tied behind your back. They have no chemistry and it hurts this offense. Baker looks uncomfortable when he looks his way and Odell looks uncomfortable when he runs his route. And, and unfortunately, he's had three crucial drops three straight weeks at this point. And I, I think he needs a fresh start himself. I know Jack asked you about it a few minutes ago. Uh, back to the Dearness Johnson performance against Denver. Do you think that gets him added to the rotation in the backfield once both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are healthy? Or do you think there's a chance Cleveland could even trade him for something they need now that the league has seen him on the national stage? Yeah, that's a good question, Donnie. I think it comes down to what happens in the offseason. You know, they owed Kareem Hunt $10 million next season. So, you know, he's a, home, he's a hometown kid. If he wants to restructure, take a discount, they'll keep Kareem and probably trade Johnson. But I'll be honest with you, if Kareem doesn't restructure, I can absolutely see them trading Kareem Hunt in the offseason and keeping Dearness Johnson for the money that they owe Kareem. You know, I like Kareem Hunt. I hope he stays. But, you know, it's tough to pay running backs in this league. You guys know, trust me. Um, but it's uh, tough to pay two running backs, let alone one. So, and you know, your franchise back is Nick Chubb. I feel like we're asking um, a lot about uh, Thursday night's game, uh, but I'll add to that. Uh, we know the Browns handled Denver um, in Cleveland uh, last Thursday, and I think the Broncos are pretty similar to the Steelers um, in a lot of ways. Both are, I think, mediocre football teams with records that reflect that mediocrity. Both have issues offensively and at the quarterback position. Both are good but not spectacular on the other side of the ball uh, with um, both teams having uh, generational uh, players on that. Maybe not generational, but future Hall of Fame edge rushers. Uh, so, knowing that, um, I know the Steelers beat the Broncos, and I think they're probably a little better than Denver overall. But watching how well Cleveland was able to play last week with a backup quarterback against the Broncos, do you think that could be a blueprint um, for success uh, Sunday, given how um, similar uh, the two opponents are uh, with uh, Denver and the Steelers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if, if Keenum, we're going to know by either tomorrow or Thursday if Keenum gets to start. If Keenum gets to start, they're going to run the ball constantly. And it, it worries me because I, I do know, I mean, the Steelers are smart enough to watch film on that. They're going to prepare for it. You know, whether that's stuff in the box or, you know, just rushing the four guys to contain Keenum in the pocket and making them throw at that point, um, they're going to be prepared for the run. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the blueprint. And that's that's the formula that they've had in 2020 that's worked. And that's the formula they're going to have for the rest of this season as well. I mean, like I mentioned before, you know, I, one of the reasons why I like Baker Mayfield so much is I do think Baker is a good fit for this offense. And I think Keenum was a great example of plugging and playing another quarterback that's serviceable enough. You, you don't need an elite quarterback as much as Browns fans want that elite quarterback, that top five guy with the Browns. I don't think Andrew Barry wants to pay that amount of money because as soon as you do that, you're going to start watching the roster around you decline, and rightfully so. You guys know if you have an elite quarterback and you pay him big money, the expectations change. He's got to lift everybody up. One of the great things about Baker is he's not, he's not worth that money. And so if you do you know, pay him, you can keep other guys around him like that offensive line. 
and the running backs. And again, I think Thursday night really showed the blueprint that you mentioned. And that formula is how they're going to be successful probably for the next decade. I mean, they're going to run the ball while they have Kevin Stefanski as head coach and Andrew Barry as the GM. Shifting to this matchup against the Steelers, you know, we were talking before we hit record about, you know, you being worried about the Steelers and us being worried about the Browns. And Joe mentioned that, you know, the fact that the Steelers defense made Alex Collins of the Seahawks look like Walter Payton. That, that worries us for, you know, the Browns potent run game. Is there any aspect about the Steelers that that gives uh, that may weigh your confidence a little bit in Cleveland getting a victory on Sunday? Honestly, the only thing I can think of is, is just them coming up with a good game plan. I, I really think they need to run the ball first. They need to establish the run right away. And, you know, if, if the Steelers offense can get up by a score or two, it's really, really going to affect the Browns because they want to establish the run. They want to get a lead. They want to lay on the ball. And if they, they, they want time management. They want to control that clock. And the minute, if, if the Steelers can get up by one, two scores, then we got to start throwing. I'm telling you guys, if Keenum's in, and he's got to throw the ball 30 times in a game, it's, it's, it's not going to be good. Um, I, I think the Browns do have a good shot. You know, it, even if they have the ball first or they don't, the defense has to play lights out. And one of the things that I think does work in, in the Browns' favor and the one thing that does give me some confidence, you know, the answer to your question would just be, honestly, at this point, Big Ben. You know, I really like Big Ben, guys. I, I, I always want him to do well because I've watched him since I was a kid. You know, I, I think he, even though he's beat the Browns for his entire career and he's absolutely owned us, I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks of my time that I've watched, a Hall of Famer for sure. And so I do want to see him always succeed, but he is probably potentially on the last year of his entire career. And, and it is showing a little bit here and there. And, you know, Matt Canada is a new offensive coordinator, so it's taking some time. Um, I think that could work into our favor with the defense. Again, they gave up 30 plus points three times this year. They can't def they definitely can't do that against the Steelers, but I think this could be that one game where the defense can, you know, kind of really hold them to and see if the Browns get the ball back and, you know, control the clock. I mean, that's really going to be the key for success. You shot me a message this week about Mike Tomlin's answer regarding the college rumors to USC and the LSU jobs. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, and what percentage chance do you give him of actually leaving Pittsburgh for one of those? I give him a zero percent chance. I believe what Mike Tomlin said, and and how could you not? I mean, one of the things that I'll always remember to forever about Mike Tomlin is the job that he did with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges in one season. I mean, that was absolutely incredible, and I think everyone can really talk about that season. I, I don't think Mike Tomlin really has had a chance to develop a young quarterback yet because he's always had that. I mean, every time you draft a quarterback, uh, whether that's Mason Rudolph or you sign somebody and you bring back like what you guys did with Dobbs at the end of the day, they're backups to Ben. So he's really never had a chance yet to develop a young quarterback. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do. As far as the rumors go to USC, I watched that from Carson Palmer and I thought that was kind of funny. And Tomlin's speech that he had was incredible, man. I wanted to run through a brick wall. How, how can you not love a guy like that? You know, it now I can kind of see it in Cleveland where we got some, some corner pieces, some guys that actually want to be in Cleveland that love Cleveland. And so I see that from another team, especially two hours away. And I get excited about that because you can't help but to love a guy that just wants to be there for the fans. And he's had a great career and I don't think he's going to leave anytime soon. And why would he, I mean, he's done such a good job and they, they give him you know, a lot of leeway there too. 
So, John, we all follow the AFC North, um, obviously. Uh, going back um, a few months um, before the season, um, I know a lot of people in Pittsburgh uh, might have thought the Steelers uh, were um, the favorites to win the AFC North, but I think the national perspective was probably uh, Baltimore repeats or Cleveland um, wins their first AFC North title. Nobody expected Cincinnati, even the Bengals optimists, nobody expected Cincinnati to be really a factor in the divisional race, but here we are uh, seven games into the season. They're 5-2. and two. They've won in Pittsburgh and in Baltimore, and Burrow and Chase look like Montana and Rice. So, what would you say about how uh, the Ravens have played very well, even given their injuries? The Browns are still hanging in there at 4-3. and three. Just how Cincinnati has kind of, um, I don't know if complicated is the right word, but really kind of made the AFC North kind of a different picture than what we expected coming in. Yeah, I, I still think the AFC North is the best division of football. I mean, anyone can try to argue with me on that. It's fine. I, I get it. Um, I, I think really Cincinnati's shaking up the whole thing. I mean, I didn't expect it. I don't think anybody really expected Joe Burrow coming off a nasty knee injury. You know, they get Jamar Chase when I'm pretty sure everybody alive wanted them to take a left tackle to protect Joe from that knee injury. And they've proven everybody wrong, including myself at this point. I, you know, I was still kind of adamant and said, hey, they really need to take a tackle there. But they, they've they've proved that that connection between Burrow and Jamar, that's that's a real connection. And again, I, it brings me back to my point about a lot of fans are saying that the Browns need an elite quarterback because now they see somebody like Joe Burrow just a couple years drafted after Baker Mayfield and he's playing at an elite level. He does look like that quarterback that's going to get big-time money in the future. And, you know, we, we got to see. We got to see a full season from him. He was doing really well last year with nothing, and then he got hurt halfway through. Um, I do want to see exactly what he does for the rest of the season because I in the NFL, I believe in that magical peak. I think that magical peak is, is really there, that the good teams, you know, peak late, and the, the bad teams, you know, win early, and they end up fizzling out. So, we got to give them a full season to see what happens. But, you know, looking at Sunday, guys, they're the real deal. I absolutely believe that. Your keys to victory for your Cleveland Browns. Health. Health is number one. Everyone stay healthy. Um, no, but keys, keys to victory is to, I'd say, get up early, score early, score first, um, and then just manage the clock from then on out. Run, run the ball as much as you possibly can. Um, play action off of, you know, the outside zone plays. I love the underneath stuff as well, just depending on what the Steelers give you. I love the bubble screens and the underneath routes to the tight ends. I think those are the keys to victory for the Browns, for the Steelers. Play defense. You guys got a great defense. I mean, TJ Watt is absolutely incredible, and he has shown every single game how much he produces for that defense. You guys got a great linebacking core, and your defensive line, I mean, I think your defense line is number one in the entire NFL. That's just me. So as, as much as I love our offensive line, and I think we have the best offensive line in the NFL, if the defense can bring pressure, especially against Case, I mean, Steelers win in my mind. All right, John, let's get a score prediction for Sunday. Ooh, can I give you two score predictions based on health? Would that be all right? Sure. All right, cool, cool. If Case Keenum plays, I think it's 24-14 Steelers. If Baker plays... Cool. I think it's 28-21 Browns. Really good. There you have it. Fellow former Waynesburg University Yellow Jacket and lifelong Browns fan, John Solviti. John, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me, as always.
We'll be back to wrap things up next on episode 85 of the Come On Network podcast. Zetterberg installed to go for it with six and a half to go. Off the tie-up. It comes back to the point. Rapolsky, the shot. Knocked down and touch. Another shot. Another shot. Doc Emmerich here. If you want to know all about sports, just stay right where you are. The Come On Network. Another big thanks to John Silviti. That was our sit-down with him in advance of this Cleveland Browns game. And only one thing left to do here on episode 85 of the Come On Network podcast presented by our friends at Pelocus. And that is to make our picks for this one as Cleveland hosts the Steelers in week eight play in the NFL. Uh, I'm going to start by saying this. I think this game goes under. I believe it's 42 and a half right now. I think this game goes way under. And Donnie, you said earlier about how we know the Steelers, we know the Browns are going to run the football. Um, If there's any more confirmation to that fact it's going to be 57 degrees and chance of rain throughout the entire afternoon in Cleveland on Sunday which to me and I think to everybody else proves that they're going to try and run the football more if Baker Mayfield doesn't play even if he does play and he's banged up they're going to want to run the heck out of the football and I think if they do that they're going to have trouble because uh, we talked about how this defensive line for the Steelers and this run stoppage needs to step up. I think it does. I think you see a step forward from Devin Bush, and I think you see Cam Hayward have a good game and lift those guys, Hank Mondu, Isaiah Bugs, Chris Wormley. I think those guys play solid, partially for the fact that uh, you got two tackles that might not play for the Browns and Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. They were both limited in practice, and J.C. Treader, the center, was limited yesterday, did not practice Wednesday, did not practice Thursday. So they could potentially be without three of their starting offensive linemen. And if if it's not that extreme, they're all going to be banged up, I think. And I think the Steelers' defense takes advantage of it. The Steelers are getting three and a half points. I think they win this one outright, and the game goes under. I'm going to go Steelers 14, Browns 10. So I've gone through... A ton of emotions leading up to this game. From the time the schedule was announced in the spring through two Sundays ago, I was thinking that the Steelers would lose to Cleveland at least once, and that loss would probably come in Cleveland. Then, two Sundays ago, Browns get embarrassed by Arizona at home. Baker Mayfield's in a sling. Sorry, Baker Mayfield's in a sling. I'm feeling a little better about things. Then we find out that Maker and several other key brownies are still banged up going into last Thursday's game against the Broncos. And at this point, I'm feeling confident that, gee, the Steelers might win this game and improve to 4-3. and three. And then with uh, the Bears and Lions coming up, good chance they'll be 6-3. and three. Then the Browns play Denver, who I think is similar to the Steelers in a lot of ways. And Case Keenum looks competent. And the defense plays well. And a guy who none of us had ever heard of looks like Jim Brown. And the Browns win. Now, as the Browns have had um, a little bit of a prolonged rest, uh, Thursday to uh, next Sunday, about 10 days, now I'm pretty much back to where it was about six months ago in regards 
to this game. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a dogfight. As Donnie said, a lunch pail uh, type of deal, throwback type of game. But having watched in disgust as Alex, Alex Collins turned into Gale Sayers for three hours not too long ago, I'm skeptical at best that the Steelers can limit Cleveland on the ground no matter who they have at running back. And for that reason, I'm picking the Browns to win a close one, 17-14. I'm still really not sure which way I want to go with this. I think I'm going to have the Steelers pull it off, uh, but I could certainly have that change before uh, we set our picks on Saturday night into Sunday. Right now, I have Steelers 23, Browns 21. That could easily be flipped. I could even change it to the Browns winning by a touchdown and covering this spread. Uh, but right now, I just think the injuries add up for Cleveland. Uh, although it looks like they'll get Mayfield and Chubb back, uh, they're still not completely healthy up front, uh, and they're missing guys all over the field. If the teams were both completely healthy uh, and all square, I think Cleveland wins this one going away uh, by a few touchdowns, but this is how football plays out. You know, guys get hurt, injuries happen. Uh, and I'm banking on it coming down to a, a bit of a sloppy game, you know, due to potential bad weather and a, a lower scoring game, I guess you could say, just over 40 points. Uh, and if it comes down to getting three points from Boswell's toe, I like my chances there because he has been one of the best players on the Steelers roster all season. Yeah, to everyone's point, again, the, the offensive line issues for Cleveland in terms of the health creep up for me is a big important piece to picking this game. Uh, at three and a half, I think it's close enough where at the minimum I would pick the Steelers to cover that three and a half point spread and be within that that three and a half at the end of this football game. Uh, I, again, I don't think it matters much if it's Baker Mayfield or Case Keenum. I think either one of them is not the same quarterback, but if Mike Tomlin isn't too concerned about the difference between the two, and he said as much in his press conference on Tuesday, among other things, uh, I'm not that worried about either of them either uh, from a passing standpoint, especially considering what the weather is going to be like. Uh, but I'm going to channel my inner Lee Sterling here as if I'm on the 93.7 The Fan Morning Show. Uh, wrong team's favored in this one. The Steelers should be minus three and a half. I mean, not quite minus three and a half on the road, but the wrong team's favorite. Steelers win, and that's an outright win for the Steelers as an underdog. The Steelers will take this one by a count of 20 to 14. Couple of field goals from Chris Boswell in this one that helped push the Steelers to victory into four and three, and eventually to six and three after wins against Detroit and Chicago coming up. And those are in reverse order, but those are on tap as well. The Steelers will beat Cleveland. Maybe I change my mind by Saturday night, by Sunday, maybe not. Wrong teams favored. Go Steelers in this one against the Cleveland Browns up in cleveland on the shores of lake erie before we go from episode 85 of the come on network podcast a reminder to hit the subscribe button and to rate our podcast and leave a review you can tell everyone that will listen to you and you should tell a bunch of people they can find us on various podcast platforms including apple spotify google anchor and more 
You can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network and on the web at comeon.network. Our blog's there. Our merchandise is there. Check that out on the interwebs. Today's episode of the Come On Network podcast is and was presented by Pomocus. Check out Primal Instinct pre-workout by Pomocus. Your best is good enough. Be sure to use the code COMEON, that's C-O-M-O-N, for 15% off at checkout at Pomocus.com while you're there. That's P-O-L-O-K-U-S.com. Until next time, stay safe. Here we go, Steelers, and come on. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.